Hello, this is Lisa Pierce, Executive Editor of Packaging Digest, with another episode of Packaging Possibilities, a podcast that reveals what's new and what's next for packaging executives and engineers, designers, and developers. In this episode, I'll be talking with Bob Imbriani, Executive Vice President of International for a logistics firm, Team Worldwide. Team Worldwide is the official sponsor and cargo carrier for USA Luge, the American team competing at the Olympics in Beijing, China. Today's timely topic is how did the luge sleds get shipped to the Olympics? We are about to find out. Bob, thank you. Welcome uh, to Packaging Possibilities Podcast. I appreciate you giving us your time today. Thank you for having us, and I'm looking forward to our discussion. Okay, me too. This is so exciting. So uh, before we get into the um, the questions about the shipping, um, tell us just a little bit about Team Worldwide and what are the services that you offer, just real quick. Okay, Team Worldwide is a U.S based. East Texas is our headquarters, uh, international and domestic logistics company. We provide all forms of domestic and international transportation, logistics, moving anything from small package to armored vehicles, military government shipments across the U.S. and around the world. We have about 45 offices in the U.S. and Canada with our main headquarters in Winsboro, Texas. We're a family-owned company. We're in our third generation, and we're about 44, 43 years old right now. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for that. Uh, It was uh, very succinct, and yet you told us a lot, so um, fantastic. So it's kind of exciting that you're working um, with the Olympics um, luge team. And um, I understand that you developed the packaging for the luge equipment that um, was sent to the Olympics in China. And according to a local report or a report that I saw um, by some of the local news in Texas, um, KETK.com, Uh, You're also responsible for shipping and coordinating the Luge team's um, sleds and equipment during the um, competitive season here in the United States. So um, I guess I'm wondering, like, what, if anything, is different about shipping that equipment here in the United States versus shipping it to China for the Olympics? And um, did you ship by air? Do you ship by (laughs) sea? Like, tell us all the details. (laughs) Okay, well, even during the uh, general season each year, the events are not just in the United States. They're really global events every year between the Olympics. And then of course, wherever the Olympics are, we have to move it there. So we're moving their equipment, primarily their sleds, to and from locations in the US, Canada, really anywhere in the world throughout the year. Okay, how often do you do that? Is it like, you know, a handful of times? um, No, it probably comes out to maybe about 30 times throughout the season, maybe more. Um, And again, their season can run from maybe end of October into uh, February, March. 
uh, each year, sometimes a little bit later. And there's various World Cup competition. There's local competition. And there are two levels of teams we move it for. There's the senior teams, but Luge also has a junior team. Okay. And the junior team has sleds and so forth. And sometimes they're competing in the same area of the country or the world. Sometimes they're in two different parts of the world. When we move domestically, it could be by air or it could be by truck. Okay. Virtually all the air, all the international moves are by air. Okay. And the other thing that makes their movements complicated is their events are not in city centers or always near an international airport. That because it's a winter sport, they have to be in areas that can support those activities. Here in the U.S., their primary training center is in Lake Placid, New York. Okay. And there's really no airport in Lake Placid other than a small private field. And the other area in the U.S. where there are events is Park City, Utah, which is not too far from Salt Lake, but still a distance away. Right. Okay. So, so many times it is complicated to get it to and from a venue. And many times we have to have a vehicle waiting at the venue that as soon as it's over, collect the equipment and move it to their next site. And sometimes the teams may be split. Youth goes to one and the senior team goes to another site. When we're moving it international, the big thing that we have to contend with other than the distances and so forth is internationally, we do have to clear customs. Yes, I would have. So we have to go through the various customs formalities. We generally clear them on a document that's called a carnet, uh, which is sort of a passport for cargo, but still requires inspection and sign off by customs when you enter a country, when you leave the country, when you go to the next country. So a lot of coordination in their moves, uh, regardless if they're domestic or international. Sure. Excellent. So with all the um, trips that you, all the moves that you make during the year, you know, 30 odd, um, you've got a lot of experience in moving this equipment around. Other than the sleds, um, what kind of equipment are we talking about here? Most of it is the sleds, but there is at times uh, timing equipment, uh, repair equipment, and so forth. There is maintenance on these sleds. There's the polishing of the blades. There's fixing sleds when they get damaged. So probably aside from the sleds, a good portion of what we might move is some of this repair and maintenance equipment for the coaches and others on the team. Okay. I saw on Instagram a photo of some of the cargo um, boxes, which looked like they were holding the sleds just because of the size of them, the size and the dimension of them. And um, so it looked like each sled is in its own container. Can you give us a little bit of uh, detail about that, how they're shipped? Okay. Actually, it may be worth just spending a minute to go back in the history of how we became involved with them because it does lead up to the packaging and transportation. Sure. We had an office in Albany, New York, which is about uh, 150 miles or so from Lake Placid. And our manager in Albany saw the team coming through the Albany airport, dragging their sleds, trying to check them as baggage and so forth. 
and said that, you know, we can assist you with that. And that's how we became involved with Luge, which is going very close to 25 years now we've been involved. Wow. Uh, we do it very much. Story. That's, we do it's it very like much. Serendipitous. Yep. We do it very much as an outreach program to support the team. We found that these are wonderful athletes, coaches, and others, members of the Luge Association. So we look at it as giving back to the community. Our owners, the Brunson family, is very big on giving back to the community. But to bring it to the packaging, as we started moving the sleds, there was no formal crating packaging for the sleds. So working with the Luge Association and other of their sponsors who would help with packaging in that, we looked to develop packaging where each sled would be individually contained. But as you probably know, regarding packaging, especially with air cargo, we have to address two things. Keeping the content safe, but also minimizing volume. Yes. You know, in all forms of transportation, there's a calculation of comparing volume to weight, but probably the most critical is in air cargo. You can be paying for much more than the actual weight if the packaging, the goods are too volumetric. So we had to contend with those two and one other issue, reusable packaging. We really couldn't have packaging that's once and done. Right, because, because you got to get it back somehow. We have to get it back. We're going to be moving it to different countries. And the packaging itself is going to be subject to some harsh conditions. It could be snowing. It could be raining. It could be sitting on the ground. It could be sitting in damp climates. So we had to develop packaging that would meet all three of those criteria. Keeping the goods safe, minimizing volume, and standing up to the transportation, but also the weather conditions. Okay, excellent. So give us the details, Bob. How did how did you design this packaging? What's it well, made it, out of? Well, it wasn't all on our side. It was working with other sponsors and supporters of Luge to give them some ideas of what the packaging was going to go through, how it was going to be handled, and allowing them to help design the packaging. So we're not a packaging design company, although we work with many companies who are. We do a lot of packaging testing. A lot of our facilities are crating and packing companies, but this required a little more expertise than we would have in-house. So it was a collaborative effort with several of the other sponsors at the time. And we developed packaging that was of a synthetic material, not a corrugated material and so forth, more of in a simplistic, a plastic type material that could stand up to the weather. Okay, excellent. And um, plastic, when it gets cold, sometimes it can shatter. How right. do you it's deal a, with the environmental? Well, it, it's, it's a composite. Uh, you know, I, okay. I'm going to be honest, I can't tell you the exact formula and material, but all of those were considerations and why we brought in other parties to help with that. You know, Luz is supported by many organizations, some are formal sponsors, some are just companies that will help. I mean, we've, they've, we've even brought their sleds to a NASA center so they could be put in a wind tunnel to determine how... <laughs> 
their aerodynamics work. Um, there are companies who work on developing abrasives to polish the blade. So it was a collaborative effort. But since we're the company who is the official logistics company, we had to handle and move and stack and do that. So we had a lot of input as to what would work, what would not work, and how to have it come about. But okay. I would not be giving you the full story if I said we designed it from beginning to end. Uh, we put in a lot of the parameters and what was needed to be able to accomplish what has to be done. Okay, excellent. Um, Bob, are you able to um, share information about those other partners that um, didn't work on this? At this time, it's probably, you know, some of them are no longer working with Luge and that, so it's okay. uh, probably better not to at this time. Uh, totally understand. So um, tell me just a little bit more about the reusable aspect of it. Um, how many turns do you get out of this um, this packaging? And um, well, you, this, call this, a, you would call it a crate? I, I don't know if I would call it a crate. I would call it a shell, maybe almost, or um, in a much smaller scale, if you're familiar with the way uh, aircraft engines are packaged in a large uh, cylinder type packaging, almost like a container. So I would probably call these a small container uh type designed specifically for the sleds and they really have almost unlimited use uh they're usually replaced because of just some physical damage something happens they get hit they get banged into um but if they're cared for and don't run into any specific conditions they can last i wouldn't say forever but quite a long time so there is no lifespan where it's five runs and that's it, we have to replace them or something okay. like that, so. Okay, I would imagine though you inspect them in between um, trips just to make sure that they're still up to snuff. Yes, we inspect them, the luge inspects them. The sleds are very, very unique and critical. A lot of people don't realize, but there isn't just one sled for everybody. The sleds are molded to the slider's body. I did not know that. Um, and in recent years, they've actually used some really high tech to scan the body, scan the sled, design the sled. So we have to take very good care of these sleds as they're moved. They all have to get there. Um, so they're not just a sled you buy off the shelf or they design one sled and everybody uses the same type of sled. They are molded. I guess that's the best way to say it or design to the slider's body. Okay, fascinating. I would imagine then that the inside of this shipping container um, has to accommodate slight um, differences in the shape of the sled. How the are you shape, able to do the, that? The, the shapes are pretty much the same, but there are some slight different in sizes. A double sled could be different than a single sled. And so for the doubles, if you're not familiar with it, in luge, there can be a single slider on a sled, but there is what they call doubles, yes. where one slider is on top of the other. Yes. Those sleds are going to be a little bit different. So the inside of the container is designed to fit the sled in for the blades to fit in and prevent damage. Uh, so there's an interior design and packaging as well. 
Okay, I'm learning a lot about um, luge sleds, but uh, are the, the blades attached to the sled when they're shipped or are they separated? They're generally attached. The sled, okay. you try not to disassemble and take apart a sled. You know, you, you want to have limited times, but blades are taken off to be polished, to be changed, to be uh, repaired and so forth. And a lot of that technology has changed over the years. If you go to the early days, it was pretty much like a leaf spring that was redone and, you know, sharpened. Now they're very, very, very high tech metal. At one point, U.S. Steel was a sponsor of Luge and helped mm -hmm. develop some of the metals and other companies uh, helped develop the polishing and design. Uh, it's a much higher tech sport than people might think. Okay, so, I would so imagine. So yeah. protecting those sleds, getting those sleds to the event, very critical. Okay, yes, I can see that. Um, I would imagine, though, too, um, you mentioned just the material uh, being composite, where in the past maybe it was metal and all. I, I don't know if uh, sustainability on the crating material or the, the container material is much of an issue at all. Um, do you think about that? I know you, you've already talked about the volume of it, and um, from a shipping point of view, I think that's uh, directly tied in to cost, but um, there is a sustainability component to that as well because you don't want to use too much, um, you know, resources in the uh, the overall um, footprint of shipping the product. No question about it. Our company has a sustainability program. The U.S. Luge is very concerned with sustainability and so forth. So the design and the materials really go hand in hand with our need and sustainability. By designing packaging that is not once and done, there's really limited recycling and so forth because they're going to be used into the future. When a packaging does have to be discarded based on various factors, it will be separated the material and recycled as appropriate and so forth, but most of it is in the initial design. That if we had packaging that had a very short shelf life, we'd not be very environmentally friendly in that we'd be replacing and using and so forth. Um, so the real sustainability comes from the longevity of the packaging. You know, Bob, I just thought too, um, were there any issues because of all the uh, supply chain challenges that we're seeing today, you know, um, partly because of the pandemic? Were there any challenges with that? Well, you know, we are in a very interesting and difficult time when it comes to the supply chain. I think for the first time in history, you're hearing supply chain issues in the uh, media areas that maybe never talked about it before. I've yes. been in the industry for over 52 years and everything that's happening today has happened before, but never at the same time. Mm -hmm. I like to call this the perfect storm for the supply chain. Everything that could be going on is happening at once. And yes, there were challenges, some having to do with the existing conditions with the supply chain, some created by China themselves. But luckily, we planned well in advance that they move by air cargo 
And to some degree, they were moving in the right direction. Some of the equipment came from the U.S., but also some came from Switzerland because the team was practicing there. And we were able to secure the needed space to get it there on time, intact, and so forth by pre-planning and always a little bit of luck. I have to say that that falls in a little bit as well. But it is a difficult time, especially to ensure things get to where they need to be when they need to be there, which is really the whole concept of logistics, getting yes. goods where they need to be, when they need to be there. And usually we add at an acceptable price, but today pricing is a very fluid item when it comes to logistics. Mm, and I'm guessing that's a euphemism, that word fluid. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, some of that's causing the inflation that we see. People don't okay. realize that virtually everything you do and buy is dependent on some level of the supply chain. Yes, it is. And I had a conversation with a woman um, uh, in the uh, last month's podcast who uh, was talking about just the um, aspects of the supply chain and um, how it, it's, again, somewhat of a perfect storm, as you say. Um, but solving it by looking at just a local chain is difficult because there's so little that moves these days that doesn't involve some component of international globalism. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is a global market today, and you can't solve it with one piece of the puzzle. It has to start from origins to destinations and they all have to work together. Some of it is under government control, but some of it is not. Some of it has to do with things like the pandemic. Some of it has to do with people in certain areas of even our country less inclined to work or work certain jobs. There's an estimate that in the U.S. we're short at least 60,000 truck drivers. Yes. And you mentioned about the um, the fact that your your destinations isn't um, always close to an international airport. And so you have that additional component of the, the shipping getting it to the final destination. Um, did that uh, play in? into the design of the um, containers at all, as far as like being able to uh, accommodate them for the different modes of travel? Uh, well, I think that just goes back to their ability to withstand the rigors of transportation, loading, unloading, okay, and so forth, because it's not generally a transport move that it goes on one truck at the beginning, stays on that truck all the way to the end, then it comes off. Even a simple air move is going to have truck, air, truck. Mm -hmm. So it was more in the ability to withstand the rigors and the uh, problems of transportation. So Okay. Bob, this has been fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Is there anything that I haven't thought to ask about that you want to share with us of, uh, with this Olympic um, shipment? Well, nothing directly for the shipment, but we always want to, especially during the Olympics, which are going on as we speak, yes. is to end with Go USA. Go USA! Very good. Thank you, Bob. Thank you.